Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdy Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the creator and writer of the comic series Twin Blades, Jared Luhan, here to promote the comic's second installment, Twin Blades, Blood and Obsidian, currently on Kickstarter. Welcome, Jared. Hi, yeah, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us today. But uh, outside my introduction, who is Jared Luhan, and what are you about? So I, I am a uh, Mexican-American comic writer from Texas. Um, I've been a member of the Mad Cave Studios talent search winner. I'm a DC milestone um, initiate of the 2022 class. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, other than that, I'm, I'm just a writer. Um, I've been in comics for about six years. And uh, I, what, my stories that I really like telling, I like telling these really big, bombastic stories, um, usually revolving around uh, existentialist themes, things like responsibility, uh, despair, the individual, things like that. Um, and yeah, and usually, you know, I like to write about, you know, my culture uh, in a way that is distinct from how it's often presented. Um, mm. I, I don't do immigration stories. I don't do cartel stories. I don't do Dia de los Muertos stories. I do um, stories about Mexicans that and and Mexican culture that is uh, independent from those things. Uh huh. So, how has the response been since you write being a Mexican American and writing these like Latin stories from the perspective of someone who actually like lives this culture who actually has probably better knowledge of it than what is probably taught in schools or is taught in the public? So, how has the response been creating stories like this and putting it out to the public? Um, originally it was really hard, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because I, you so I, I'm from the border. Like I, I grew up in a, a town that's about three miles from Mexico. Um, I have a lot of relationship with, with Mexico. I knew undocumented people growing up. Um, I, I'm very, very close with, with my culture and my history. Um, when I was coming up, uh, there was definitely, an expectation for me to do border stories and immigration stories. And um, that's kind of where I was, it felt like the only work people wanted to give me was work related to immigration. And uh, that was the first thing I was like, okay, I'm not gonna do these stories then. Like, I'm not gonna tell them because, you know, I don't I don't wanna be pigeon, I don't wanna be shoehorned, um, I think is the word I'm looking for, or pigeonholed is the other one. I don't want people to think that I can only do one kind of story and that there's only one kind of story a Latin person can do. So um, I, I kind of stopped asking for permission uh, and went to Kickstarter. Um, you know, fortunately, I, I did have Dryfoot uh, with Mad Cave Studios before my first Kickstarter book, which is a, a story about the barrio and and where I, like in neighborhoods that I grew up in. And, and uh, but then I went to Kickstarter to do my own stories. And so I've done three books. Um, this is my third book on Kickstarter. Uh, all of them have featured Mexican characters. Um, the Twin Blades in particular is like super Mexican. That's kind of its like whole bit, you know? Um, and and you, we've seen a response. Uh, we've seen a response, not just from readers, right? People who back it, people who, who are really into it, but um, you know, my career is, is picking up <laughs> thankfully and so we're seeing a response from from people who who maybe weren't looking for that originally but are seeing that there's an audience for those kinds of stories well speaking of kickstarter um what is the comic series twin blades about and what can readers expect from this second issue blood and obsidian 
So the the Twin Blades is is supposed to be a fun series. It's it's it was really a series I wanted to write that you know you could come home after a long day at work, crack it open, and get a little bit of the Mexican culture, but have fun reading the book, right? Like just big bombastic action, nonstop, like forty four pages. Um, so that like I always tell people that the Twin Blades is literally just giving Mexican swords is is the whole bit. Um, so in the first one, we had, uh, these two, like new, new wielders of, of these two magical swords or they're Namakuhutl, um, they're old, uh, Nahuatl, Mexica, uh, cultural weapons. Uh, they're big clubs with little blades in them, usually obsidian. And, um, so in the first one, it was, it was a kind of a sci-fi mix with, uh, with, with that, that kind of a story. So we had kind of a sci-fi and fantasy mix um, that was a lot of fun to do. And then with Blood and Obsidian, uh, we went, we wanted to do a completely separate story, right? We wanted to do something um, independent and something that you didn't need to read the first one to read the second one. And so uh, Blood and Obsidian uh, takes place uh, about, man, I think it's like in the, in, in the 19th century. And uh, it centers around the Battle of Puebla, uh, which is the really famous Cinco de Mayo. Everybody thinks Cinco de Mayo is just like Mexican Independence Day. It's not. Um, it's actually it's 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 a battle of the French um, invading Mexico, and Mexico had just gotten out of like a of a multiple year civil war. Um, they had been fighting and killing each other for for several years, and then the French came uh, in an effort to colonize this country again, and lost. To, a, to an army that was way more tired, way less trained, and half the size of the French army. And it's always been one of my favorite um, historical moments. It's one of those really cool, big moments that you, you can kind of find a, a lot to be inspired from. So uh, we went there, and this one's more of a Western. Uh, it, it's got, you know, it's got Western and, and old Kurosawa samurai vibes, um, and it's about a wielder who's really good at it. She's already very good at being a wielder, unlike our first two protagonists. And um, she's kind of trying to figure out uh, who killed her sister uh, and what, and, and she kind of finds herself thrust into this middle of this war in an effort to find who killed her sister. And so it's, it's a really, again, it's a very intense story. Um, it's, it's a very big action-y story. So there's going to be a lot to love. If you, if you did read the first one, you'll find a lot more to read in, and love in the second one. But it's also just like a little bit more of a serious story uh, this time. It's a lot more emotional than the first one was. Mm -hmm. So can you elaborate a bit more on your creative process on Twin Blades? Even it can be the first one, it can be this one, Blood and Obsidian. So from just a thought in your head to outlining the story and wanting to incorporate some of those historical um, events um, in like actual places into the story and mixing in a lot of like fantasy sci-fi elements as well, you know, character creation, you know, finding collaborators to work with, like into now promoting it on Kickstarter. So like that whole pretty much from start to finish. Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, the way that I approached Blood and Obsidian is really rooted in how I approached the first Twin Blades. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the first Twin Blades, I wanted a character um, like Siomara, who is, she, she's confident, um, but she kind of finds herself being doubted by the people she loves. And 
what the first and so when, when you know when you're going into that it's like okay so i don't want to make a story that uh is going to shine a bad light on my people and i don't want to make a story that that feels like we have to center the story about um you know colonialism or something like that i wanted to make it and and so i said it in the future right um we have a cyborg that resurrected dead man who's become a cyborg um as the villain and i i, I really but i when i when i'm sitting there writing it it, it was I want to make the story as distinct and unique and fun as I can. And so taking it to the future, we, you know, we got to envision Mexico as, as, uh, as a futuristic society, right? Like, yeah. you know, in ways that it isn't typically shown. And um, we got to, we got to touch on, you know, we, we wanted to get out of the cartels. So we said it as far in the future. So we never even had to reference them. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and, and, we got these two teenage kids who are having a rough relationship and, but it's about them. It's about them and their relationship. And so when I wrote blood and obsidian, when I was approaching blood and obsidian, I wanted to do the opposite of everything I did in the first book. Right. Like I, we had characters in the first one that were really unseasoned. They were, they were real new to it. In this one, our main character is really seasoned. Like she's she's a been a wielder for a long time. Um, we in in the first one we had, uh, you know, it was a sci-fi story. We had sci-fi elements. This one we set it, you know, several hundred years in the past. Um, I think people are still going to see a little bit of the sci-fi edge with some of the stuff that we have in there, but it's mostly like of of it's mostly a historical fiction book. Um, we had two wielders in the first one, so we have one wielder in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it was really me breaking my own rules of of how I'd written the first Twin Blades, because uh, I don't want to create something that feels like I'm just writing, you know, Twin Blades. Okay, it's the same story. Now it's set in a different time period. I really wanted to do something that was different. And um, so when I decided I wanted to make it like a Western, uh, which was early in the process, because I'm, I'm, I'm from Texas. I'm a big Western guy. Uh, I decided I wanted to make it a Western and I was kind of like, you know, well, where can I set this in, in Mexico? That would make that make sense. And, you know, Cinco de Mayo was the biggest, it was, like I said, it's one of my favorite historical moments. So it's one of those things that I just naturally came to. So, you know, we, we made the book in the, in, it was conceived by being the antithesis of the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little, like I said, it's a little bit more serious than, than the previous book as well. But um, in terms of taking it to Kickstarter, you know, like Julio and I um, created the first Twin Blades and we have our colorist Rocco. And, uh, you know, my, my goal is to always have as much of the book done as I can before I go to Kickstarter. So we've got, you know, like 15, 16 pages done. Uh, we're, we're kind of just kind of picking away at it. But um, we're ahead of most of our deadlines, so we're doing good. Uh, but like, I, everybody's gotten so much better since the first book. Like, yeah, uh, just noticeably uh, better, and that's something that's really exciting to see. Like, if you look at the first pages for the Twin Blades, and look at the first pages for Blood and Obsidian, it's just so noticeable how good everyone's gotten. So, um, yeah. So when we put those pages up, we knew like you know this is going to be something people are going to have to pay attention to, and it was very very exciting but it is a it is a long 
process, you know, uh, writing something that is not even a sequel, but a second installment uh, is, is, a, is as a different independent story. It was, it was pretty brutal, uh, but it's one of those things that you kind of come up with and, and you kind of just roll with. And, and that's kind of my writing style, right? Is, is I kind of find my way as, as things unravel, as, as they uh-huh. kind of roll forward, I kind of figure out how I want to do, um, how I want things to go. And so, you know, starting from the point of, I want this to be the opposite of the first Twin Blades, I just kind of went and created everything from there. Uh-huh. So I guess my question would be is, is it easier to do um, like two separate installments where you don't have to worry about consistencies or would you prefer, I mean, in this instance, you wanted to go as far left as possible, but as you as you did that, were there times you were like, it would have been easier if I just did a sequel to the first one or did it ever come up? Yeah, yeah, I, I, we discussed a sequel, um, a direct sequel, but mm-hmm. um, the thing with it is that to me, Twin Blades is as much a celebration about my culture as it is a story about you know having fun. Like the whole team's Latin, um, three of us are Mexican, two of them, two of us live in Mexico right now, um, so there we discussed doing a sequel and i honestly think doing a sequel probably would have been easier it probably would have been an easier sell you know we had people who were already interested in the characters that we had done in the first twin blades but uh it felt like we had already told that story that we wanted to tell Uh and you know we we have these magical swords that have been around since the since canonically in the twin blades universe they've been around since the creation of our entire universe so we were like, we can't just waste it on on a direct sequel when we have so much space that we can play with. Um, so yeah, we decided that that was our move is is taking the story and and working backwards almost. Um, and so yeah, I, I definitely think it would have been easier. There's definitely conversations about it, but um, at the end of the day, we wanted to showcase a different side of the story as well as expanding on the world that we had built um, while also getting to do to draw stuff that's just different you know um, getting mm-hmm. to write characters that are different draw things that are different make scenes that are different um, I think I think cr- creatively it was probably easier to go this way but in terms of like making it and selling it it's definitely a little bit more uh, a little bit more difficult yeah I mean it sounds really interesting especially when the topic of like world building comes up when you have to like build your own rules and this that and the third especially with these historical um events and moments and people that are involved in this fiction that you're creating so instead of just doing like one through five and then going into uh another another installment worrying about consistencies you kind of just cut all that out and went straight to it which sounds really interesting i feel like you know, a lot of people don't really go that route. I don't think I've ever really heard anyone ever go that route before, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's it's fun. You know, like yeah. I, I, I'm a big I'm a big story. I, I really do believe that stories should be allowed to end. And I feel like we told the story with Siomara, Siomara and Basilio um, in the first one, and uh, it just felt like there's just so much to explore. Like, how could we just do a direct sequel? You know? Yeah. But um, you spoke about your team and you all being Latin. 
Um, how was it searching for collaborators? And then what made you decide on your uh, your current collaborators that you have now? Yeah, so um, Julio Suarez does our, our line art for the book. Um, I, I found Julio on the, the hashtag Latinx create um, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I, I whenever that event goes on, I kind of spend a lot of time looking at it because, you know, I like working with other Latin people. Um, I like showcasing what we can do. And again, you know, Twin Blades was almost entirely conceived to showcase Latin talent in comics. So uh, finding Julio was, was the most the trickiest part right? Like I, I had to kind of hunt him down a little bit in, in, on the Twitter hashtags. But um, t- Julio actually knows Rocco. Uh, they're both in Mexico. They're both friends in Mexico. So I didn't have to do anything. I just kind of asked him if he had anybody he liked. And he said, yeah, I've got this friend. And um, Rocco, they have an incredible portfolio. Uh, I'm really excited for their career. Um, and then Gabby, uh, Gabriella Downey, uh, she's a letterer, or she's done some lettering work for DC Comics. Um, she's working on her own OGN. She's done a bunch of covers, and uh, fortunately, we have a cover from from her in the campaign this time around. Um, but she's great, and I was fortunate enough that I had a friend who had who had just worked with her, and so I was like, hey, you know, I know Gabriella Downey is is Latin. Um, you know, she's, she's, she, I think she's from her, her family's from Argentina or Honduras. There's some explanation for why she's got a, a Scottish name. She told me it and I forgot, but uh, I'm pretty sure she's Honduran, but long story short is like, I had a friend and I was like, Hey, I know Gabby is Latin. Do you know if like, if she's got some availability and fortunately I was able to get her email and, and reach out, but yeah, it's been, it's been, it was, it it was a little bit easier than I expected, to be quite honest. Once I found Julio, everything else kind of fell into place. But, mm-hmm. you know, this time around, we have two variant covers. Um, I mean, oh, there's Andrea Rosales, right? Andrea Rosales did the original logo um, for the for the Twin Blades. Um, she's also a member of the DC Milestone Initiative um, this year. And then uh, Lucas Gattoni did our our installment logo for Blood and Obsidian. He just I just added to Andrea's logo um, and he's from Argentina. And we have uh, variant covers from JJ Lopez and um, Nikki, uh, Nikki Rodriguez. I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. Nikki, it's Nikki, Nikki Rodriguez. And then uh, we have another cover by Gabriela Downey. So like we expanded it. We, we, we actually went out and, and made more Latin people part of the project, mm-hmm. um, which is which was fun, you know. And, and fortunately, I've gotten to to the point in my career where that's a little bit easier than it was before. And uh, yeah, so it, it was it was definitely a little bit more difficult than my new nor my normal projects because normally I'm just like, hey, you know, I have friends that I want to work with, and I'm like, hey, do you have uh, do you have time? Like, are you available? Um, but you know. I had to go out and find Julio because I didn't have anybody. All of my Latin friends that were drawing at the time were busy. And I wanted somebody with this really manga influenced style. And Julio fit all the bills. And I'm grateful that he's the co-creator on the book. Uh-huh. So after everything, even with Twin Blades, the first one, the second one you're now currently promoting, and even with your previous projects or anything else that you may be thinking about doing, just like what advice 
could you offer to other writers or artists and, or creators in general that you wish someone would have told you when you first started? Uh, this is a popular one, right? I'm gonna, uh, most creators have probably heard the one I'm gonna say, but it's the one that I wish that I had taken to heart when I first started. Mm-hmm. You do not need to pitch a 100 page OGN. You do not need to pitch a 12 issue maxi series. Start small, start small small pages three or four pages at a time and learn the real ins and outs of of making of writing comics mm-hmm. um because there's a lot to learn and 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 you know, there's a lot of good advice out there from a lot of great people but that's always the thing i tell people is like don't do that don't don't start big don't don't go crazy like start small and work your way forward um for from like a kickstarter perspective like or uh, back that let me back that up um the second piece of advice is don't wait for someone to give you permission to do the stories that you want to do because that's been the biggest thing that's kept my career alive right because you know i'm about to have another book in diamond uh or i'm gonna have a book in stores next week um called crash and troy and uh but it's been you know two years since dryfoot was in stores and uh which was my first published miniseries that was in stores so i haven't had a book by me written just by me in 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 years but i've been able to stay active uh with with the people that read dry foot and with the people that support my career i've been able to stay active with them because i've been doing kickstarter books and i've been doing a lot of anthologies as well but like to me it's like you know do your own stories and push them because comics it's real easy to forget people in comics it's it's built into the format of the monthly readership uh if you don't release something on a regular basis people are going to forget you ever did anything and Mm so um i i don't don't wait for a publisher to give you permission if you got a story just get out there and and try and kickstart it is the best advice that i can give uh and and don't like I see people launch in like 22 they they want to do a a 60 something page story or they want to do a mini series so but I even think that's too much right like both all the books I've done on Kickstarter have been one shots and they've been 44 pages and uh so we've been able to keep their our budget low uh our printing costs low because at the end of the day you got to realize like this is going to be a, a multiple thousands of dollars project if everybody's getting paid you know except me <laughs> but uh yeah like but but you can take a one shot you could do 22 pages and you can do that on kickstarter pretty pretty easily that's a pretty cheap book to print uh you know um but yeah and just and and never be afraid to ask other creators for advice never be afraid to reach out to especially me right like i'm busy all the time sometimes it takes me a while to get back to people but uh you know, like I'm, I'm always really happy if somebody has Kickstarter questions, if somebody has comic writing questions, you can always reach out um, to me at least. And, and I can get back to you when I can, but like the, don't wait for permission, start mm-hmm. small. Don't ask anyone for permission. Just do it. Because if you wait for permission, no one's going to give it to you. Ever. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't, indie comics is a hard hustle. It's a difficult grind. And if you wait for a publisher to tell you that it's okay for your story, then you're going to be spending a lot of time on stories that don't go anywhere, you know? 
Um, that was part of my the whole reason I went to Kickstarter is that I was like, man, I'm like tired of writing pitches that don't end up anywhere. I have mm-hmm. all these stories I want to tell and I can't tell them because I don't have a publisher. And then I saw people like Fell Hound, who's a good friend of mine, and Frankie White, who's a good friend of mine, who just decided they were going to do their their crazy ideas and just stick it on Kickstarter. I think Frankie is like a genius, right? Like Frankie, Frankie did a book called Project Starless Daydream. And uh, it was like, the, the, he, he pitched it as the finale to the, to the anime you never, that never existed, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a really crazily put together book. And that book is what inspired me to go on a Kickstarter because I was like, this book is so nuts. <laughs> like, it's, it's, there's no way that book would have existed as a traditional publisher um, ever because it's nuts. It's a crazy book. And it's put together in a very, very unique way. And, um, but, you know, Frankie did it and he did it because he didn't ask anybody for permission. He just wanted to make it and he just went out and he made it. And uh, so like, that's, that's what made me go to Twin Blades. That's what made me go to Kickstarter. So don't, don't wait for permission. Just, if you have an idea that you really can't get out of your head um, and, and just condense it because <laughs> you don't want to run. <laughs> You don't want to run a Kickstarter for a 20 issue book, you know, like get it, find a story idea that you have in you. That's really itching at you that you can do in one shot. And you, and I'm telling you, that's like the move. That's how you start building an audience. And that's how you start, yeah. you know, keeping your, keeping your name in the, in the, in the movement. Uh-huh. Well, Jared, you spoke of, you know, being busy and, you know, especially now with the Kickstarter, it's like maybe what, two weeks left in the Kickstarter. So now it's like really, really busy for you. Um, but throughout the whole process, do you or did you ever get overwhelmed? Does it ever become too much? And how do you typically manage your mental well-being when it does? And it doesn't have to be just with the Kickstarter. It can be trying to juggle the Kickstarter while also juggling, you know, your home life and work. If you have like a part-time, full-time job, family, or just time for yourself. Yeah. So I have... I have a full day, full time day job. I have my comics work. I have a wife. I have a teenager, and uh, so I'm like pretty much at home in the overwhelm, you know. Like, but um, you know, one of the things that I do is I, I I make it a point to like with this Kickstarter, this one, right? Like my first two funded within like five days. Um, this one's going on two weeks and still getting funded. And uh, we, we all know that like the economy is in a different place than it was when I ran my last one. Um, Cause I, cause, and I'm sure that's part of it, you know, but so this one's been particularly stressful, but you know, I, I my whole thing is, is right. Like the book could fail. It's, I don't think it is. I mean, we're within $600 of funding, but it could fail. And and if it did, I would just put it back on Kickstarter in a couple months. <laughs> like, like it's not going to deter me. And that's kind of the thing I need to remind myself is like, sure, maybe this isn't the exact right story because I believe in the book. I believe in the art of, for the book. Um, I believe in our creative team. So to me, it's not like, oh, okay, well, my writing sucks. Well, no, maybe, but at, at the bare minimum, you know, I can just retry it again and and give it another shot in a different way. Um, but I think it's one of those things where like you really have to to be disciplined with letting you take time off. You know, um, 
get a, if you're if you have a deadline get as far ahead of it as you can from the jump from the jump right and that way you give yourself time to have a break if if you need one because you know i i i'm someone who's really outspoken about their mental health um i went through a really hard time uh, a few years ago in 2016 and uh but having everything that I have to do right now, uh, you know, I set like Tuesday nights are my nights where I cook dinner for my family, I uh, hang out with my wife, and I don't do any work. If you need something from, because right now I work weekends, I work all the time. Tuesday is the only day, like Tuesday evening is the only day that like I, I don't do anything because that's my time with my wife. That's my time to to watch a movie with her, to hang out with her, cook dinner for the girls. Um, things like that. And, and that's been really beneficial to me um, a, a, in a big way. But it, that's one of those things that you just have to decide like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do something today because I am really overwhelmed. I had a day on this campaign where I was like, this is stressing me out. I'm not even going to tweet about the campaign. The Kickstarter algorithm can do its job. And I didn't, I just hung out <laughs> and, and, uh, I didn't tweet about it. I was just kind of relaxing for the day. And I was like, I'm just going to take my foot off the gas for today because I can't keep doing it. So, you know, my best advice is to, to pay attention to yourself and your how you're reacting to things and how what it's doing to you. Like Kickstarters are stressful. They're never going to not be stressful. Um, they're stressful from the second that the campaign launches until you're figuring out how to print the book and everything. But at some point you, you, you really need to pay attention to yourself. Cause if it's, if it's really driving you crazy, just take a day, take a day, let the Kickstarter algorithm work. Tell your friends, Hey, you know, if, if you could include it in, in one of your other, if somebody else's campaign or something like that, cause that's a lot of that, a lot of that on Kickstarter where we share campaigns and updates. Um, but don't, don't ever know. Nothing is worth your health, right? Yeah. Not, not, not Mexicans with swords, not comics, none of that is worth is worth your health. So always be aware that you can step away and you you can kind of give yourself a break and that means something. And that's that's an important part for you as much as it is for your work. Because nobody wants if, if you're really strung out and going crazy, you're gonna write like shit. Oh, I'm sorry, you're gonna write poorly. Um you're going to do your art poorly something's going to suffer and so it's it's easier and better for you to pay attention to your body pay attention to how you feel and take breaks when you need them um period you know like you know I, i've been working two jobs essentially since i was 18 you know like I, i'm kind of acclimated to to this this yeah. kind of craziness in my life you know um but i still take day but i because i have a strict day you know tuesdays i'm just hanging out with my wife we're hanging out, making dinner. We're spending time together. Like that's it. I'm not going to play with any of this other stuff. I, yesterday we went, or Monday we went and got a massage together. Massages are awesome. If that, if you want a mental health thing, that's the the move right there. But um, yeah, it's just being disciplined and and that you need to have a break as much as anybody else. Like you can't uh -huh. do it 24 seven. Yeah, exactly. Well, my last question for you, Jared, is what is your idea of success? So I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures or we may consider ourselves failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or give them up altogether 
because this career path can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is your idea of quote unquote success? Um, I, I feel like I've, I've, I've sort of already achieved my, my big idea of success, right? Like I, I wanted to tell stories and I'm doing it, you know, um, through publishers, I'm doing it on Kickstarter. Uh, so like to me getting, you know, my second book in stores was a big deal to me because, you know, when I was growing up, you know, where I grew up from, you're not supposed, I wasn't really supposed to do anything with my life. Um, I was supposed to be dead or in jail by the time I was like 25. Uh, I'm fortunate enough, you know, I I have my college degrees, I have um, books that are coming out, but when I, when I drop dry foot, right, it's easy to say, oh, that's a fluke, you know, anybody who, who tries enough will eventually get something through, but to get a second book through, you know, um, is, is means a lot to me. It's a lot like, yeah, I also boxed a lot as a kid, and so I think the idea of like, well, anybody can become champion, but it's the champ that defends it. That's the real thing, you know. Um, so I think that's kind of where that's coming from. Is you know, getting my second book in there, it's not just a fluke. Like I can, I can do this, and uh, I can do it well. And so, but aside from that, right? Like I would love to write full time, um, and and I'd be happy with that, but. I could never touch a big two character in my life and be good. You know, like that's not my dream in comics. You know, I would love to, it'd be great, but it's not my dream. My, my ultimate dream is to contribute stories that I believe in and that I think shine um, a bigger part of my culture into, into the fray. You know, I, I want, I want more Mexicans in comics. I want, I want more Latin people in comics. I want more Latin people everywhere. And so, you know, success only means as much to me as it means that I can help people. So if I can help bring more Latin people into comics, that's what I want to do. If, if I can help uplift uh, those voices, then that's what I want to do. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as somebody who has, who's working a lot, has worked two jobs most of his life, I would love to write full-time and just write. But um at the end of the day, to me, what it's always about is like, I get to tell stories, I get to do it, and that's great. And uh, I want to uplift those voices that uh, I want to see more of and, and contribute to those people's success as well. Well, um, is there anything else that you want to touch on about Twin Blades, Blood and Obsidian, um, or the story just in general um, that I may have missed, or maybe uh, rewards for potential backers? Yeah, we have really cool... Uh, I, I hope everybody backs it, obviously. Um, I hope they back it soon because we have really cool uh, stickers that are coming up for our, our stretch goal. Um, and that's going to be really fun. Um, if we get enough, we're going to do another. Uh, if we get to our second stretch goal, we're going to do like another little mini comic set in the universe for the digital. Um, but no, like other than that, you know, I, I just hope people um, go on and and check it out at least see if it's for them and give it a chance because it's a it's a pretty good book i think yeah i think i think it's pretty good yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well again i want to thank the creator and writer of the comic series twin blades jar luhan for joining us here today to promote the comics second installment twin blades blood and obsidian currently on kickstarter i highly recommend our listeners to give jared's kickstarter a look share and back if they can All of Jared's socials and website will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter link for those who are interested. 
Again, I am KS Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Nerd Podcast. Thank you. <laughs>